When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com or underdogfantasy in the app store. Sign up with promo code PITCHERLIST and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. In Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. How's it going and welcome to episode 125 of On The Wire, proud member of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. Follow the pod on the Twitter at On The Wire Pod. You can follow me at 80 Grade. That's all spelled out. And you can follow Kevin Hastings at Hasting Kevin. This week, I get to welcome Matt Heckman to the pod this week. Matt has recently taken over the role of Dynasty Manager here at Pitcherless and has published a soon-to-be-updated Correct me later on, Matt, if that's incorrect, but I believe that uh, you should be updating your top 100 prospect lists very soon on the site. So keep an eye out for that. Matt is also senior writer over at Fantrax, so you can check out his work over there as well. We're going to talk about his prospect list players from it. He thinks he can still make an impact before the 2023 season comes to an end, especially if the right trade is made at the upcoming deadline. We've already seen lots of action in on that front so far. We'll get to all of that and more. But before we do that, Matt, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk baseball, talk the trade deadline. Crazy stuff already today that we've seen unfold. So lots to unpack. Yeah, it's nice to have to edit my outline two seconds before <laughs> we go on, on, on hit the record button. But always exciting time of year. Of course, we'll do next week. We'll have a we'll break down of all the other trades that happened at the deadline now being fluctuating right year to year. It's yeah. not always on the 31st. It's always within a couple of days of the 31st, whatever Rob Manfred wants, really. And he <laughs> announced that it was going to be on Tuesday this year, August 1st, First there to get really into it make sure you guys are tuning in to nick pollock and paul spore do their Excited live show yeah. yeah they do that every year or at least the last couple of years and they're gonna do it bigger and better than ever this year because of course now nick is streaming that on playback.tv slash pitcher list what's really cool about it is that he can actually bring people on with him so him and Spore will be talking back and forth and you go into the chat and you hit the little hey bring me on button. Nick can pull you in and talk about, Hey, 
what would you think of this trade or that trade? It'll be a really cool interactive experience. So make sure you guys are tuning into that 3 p.m. on Tuesday, August 1st, um, until it goes till question mark, if you will. It'll just go until all the the deadline deals have been finalized. I think the deadline's what, 5 o'clock Eastern or something like that? Maybe a little bit later than that? I think it's usually 4 o'clock Eastern time. That's how it has been in the past. I don't know if it's any different. Yeah, that's West Coast. That's actually pretty cool. It's like nice little morning activity. Yeah, watch like these things come the, through. Watch the tickers. Yeah, the East Coast. It's like I sit around, my hands like, <laughs> I my eyes glued to Twitter, like constantly refreshing it. <laughs> come on, give me more news. And then at three o'clock, it all starts. It happens all at once. What was it? A couple of years ago, we got the Zach Greinke trade, and it was yeah. like it happened like an hour and a half after, but somehow it was done. Right. <laughs> like, how did we not hear about that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Passan, get on that. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I have your Twitter notifications on for a reason. Yeah. Just always make sure that you have the correct handle on notifications. Yeah. In this day and age, in Twitterverse or Xverse, or whatever you want to call it at Come this on, point, right. make sure you are following the correct people, especially at the deadline. All right. We have already had a ton of trades, Matt. So let's get into it. Some of them more fantasy relevant than others and some of it more fab related than others. So we will fly through some of them that maybe don't impact your fab considerations that much. And we'll get into a little bit more detail on those that might. So we will get right into it. The One of the first ones that went through recently, earlier on this week, was Ahmad Rosario traded from Cleveland to the LA Dodgers playing shortstop now in LA. He was traded one for one with Noah Syndergaard who should be entering the rotation for the guardians at, at some point or another. Honestly, does this really change the impact of either one of these players from a fantasy perspective, the way you see it? No, I think it, if anything, I think it hurts Rosario's amount fa- Rosario's fantasy value a little bit more then I feel like in Cleveland, Rosario is locked into that constant everyday role. He moves to the Dodgers. The Dodgers also just traded for Kika Hernandez again. They have Miguel Rojas. They have some other players that Rosario could be pushed into more of a platoon. He might only play against lefties. I'm wondering what Rosario's splits are. I'm trying to look that up real quick if he has big Platoons, but so yeah, he's only hitting 253 against righties versus 304 against lefties. So I wonder if Rosario moves into a short side platoon role over there, which could negatively impact his fantasy value. I don't really think it does anything for Cindergard. I don't know about you, but I feel like we're past Cindergard's prime. Yeah, we still haven't seen him obviously make his debut for the Guardians quite yet. I think the I'll echo like the sentiment I've been seeing on Twitter and hearing from other people is I'm less concerned about Syndergaard's, what he's going to do with Cleveland than what kind of impact this might have on some of the younger members of the Cleveland rotation, Tanner Bybee, Logan Allen, Gavin Williams, and whether or not Syndergaard can do well enough to actually eat into their innings. And not so much eat into their innings, but give Cleveland the out to actually manage those young guys' innings a little bit more, maybe send one of those guys down for whatever reason, treating him like Yuri Perez in Miami. I'm not convinced that Bybee's really going to lose a lot of innings in that way, but I do I could see Logan Allen and Gavin Williams getting their innings cut a little bit, but that's just my kind of instinct on those guys at the moment. I'm not worried about Syndergaard taking their job. <laughs> I'm more yeah. worried about just, again, get giving Cleveland the out to actually manage these guys' innings if they want to, which would be a shame. 
Yeah, I think they'll do that if their rotation gets healthy or if they start to fall out. Because even as it stands right now, Cleveland doesn't have, like even putting Syndergaard into that rotation, they still need all three of the young starters to get things together with Bieber on the IL, Quantrill on the IL, McKenzie on the IL. They don't really have any other options. But yeah, I do think fair. it could down the I think it could down the road. Maybe Cleveland's not done. Who knows? Yeah, of course Syndergaard is coming back from his own injury as well. So that he's not and hasn't made his debut. So we yeah. will uh, we'll see how that goes. All right, so let's uh, we'll move to Chicago where the White Sox made a couple of moves uh, chipping away at their rotation. Everybody expected them to have some kind of fire sale and they kind of went back to back with first the rumors re- revolving around Lance Lynn didn't happen. He made his start. I'll just say that he pitched a baseball, a major league <laughs> baseball game, results notwithstanding. But that did not happen at first. In first, instead, Lucas Giolito, he got moved over to the Angels. He joined Shohei Otani and company over there. Of course, everybody's probably seen that, that picture of him sitting on the bench next to Otani, which is starry eyed <laughs> next to him. Which nobody can blame him. Absolutely not. He gets traded for a couple of prospects, Edgar Caro and Kai Bush. Please correct me, Matt, on any pronunciations of those guys. And then Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly got moved over to the other side of Los Angeles to the Dodgers. So again, these guys, and I'll get, let you get to the prospects in a second, but I'm curious to know if you, with two members of the rotation in Chicago for the White Sox now missing, is there anybody that the White Sox can fill into those roles that you're actually intrigued about intrigued about no (laughs) i chicago has some pitchers in their system that are more so double a right now they're younger they aren't ready christian mana is one guy that i actually really he's in my top 100 just based on stuff but he's only 20 or he might have turned 21 now years old in double a and he still has some control issues so i don't think they would call him up Kai Bush is a candidate to jump into that rotation at some point this year, even though he's only thrown 26 innings this year. He's only thrown 30 innings this year, and the results have not been very good. So I'm not very interested in him either. Another lefty kind of crafty pitcher. Some decent breaking stuff, but below average fastball. Not sure how he's going to play at the major league level. I think Tuki Toussaint is probably the most likely person to get a chance we saw him flash some potential in atlanta years ago feels like forever ago and then his career really just derailed he's still only 27 maybe they try and give him a chance to see if he can handle being a starter but i'm not sure there's anybody i'm actively trying to acquire yeah, fair enough. Jimmy Lambert is waiting in the wings on the 40-man rotation. He's been up before, and I'm just looking on roster resources, depth charts here, and I notice, obviously, they only have a four-man rotation at the moment. They could very well do a bullpen game on Tuesday. They don't have anybody set for that start. Susan, like you mentioned, already made a start. He's pretty locked into the rotation, in my opinion, at this point, especially with a positive outing the other day. Mike Clevenger just returned as well. He did okay for himself today. And obviously, as long as it's not too crowded, he'll be a starter there as well. Yeah, Nothing more than a streamer, in my opinion, in, in that situation, especially on a team like the White Sox, who wasn't doing you any favors in the win category anyway, and they're definitely not going to moving forward. 
All right. So on that note, you touched on Kai Bush a little bit, but are either one of these prospects that the White Sox got back in the Giolito side from the Angels something worthwhile for this year and or even somebody to keep an eye out for next year's redrafts? Bush is going to be the most likely one to have fantasy relevance sooner just because he's 23 years old. He's worked his way. He pitched double A last year. The Angels are aggressive after they draft players, but he already pitched a bunch in double A. I still don't I am not a huge Kai Bush fan. He's posted decent numbers in the lower level of the minor leagues, but that kind of ties back to something. I know Chris Clegg has looked into a little bit and is still looking into. He put out a tweet the other week that I really liked, and it's easy for pitchers with good breaking stuff to have success at the lower levels of the minor leagues. It's a little bit harder to get by without that good fastball as the competition increases. And I think that's really what we've seen with Kai Bush. He doesn't have that fastball and he's really struggled with his command this year. And even just, I mean, he's got a five, eight, eight ERA in double a, I'm just not sure there's much fantasy appeal there. Edgar Quiero is going to be fantasy relevant. He's a fringe. A lot of people have him in the top 100 prospects. He's had a little bit of a down year, but he also skipped high a entirely Kara's only 20 years old, skipped tie A, Angels put him right into double A. And so the power isn't exactly what you would want to see, but he's got a really good hit tool. He's got strong plate discipline. The power, he has enough raw power in his bat. The issue is going to be, I don't think he is available next year because they just traded for Corey Lee too in the deal for Kendall Graveman. I think Corey Lee is going to have more fantasy appeal in 2024 than Caro does in 2024 for Chicago. That's fair. Yeah, I realized as we were in the middle of talking to this that I can't believe I didn't put these in here. Obviously, the White Sox are making a lot of deals. Kendall Graveman, of course, goes back to Houston for Corey Lee, the aforementioned Corey Lee. And then on top of that, Reynaldo Lopez was attached to Lucas Giolito to the Angels as well. So their bullpen is getting hit just as hard as their rotation. Gregory Santos got the save on Friday for the White Sox. He's got to be the favorite to take over closing duties, at least until Liam Hendricks comes back, question mark. Maybe. We'd all like to see that happen at 100%. Off the cuff, is this... Is the selling that the White Sox are doing making it even less likely that Liam Hendricks actually does come back this season? Or do you just see them saying, hey, you know what? You've been through a lot. You did the most amazing thing and came back the way you did. And then you got hurt again. Let's just take it easy. Let's take the rest of the season off and we'll see what 2024 holds for us. Or do you think he's just the type of player that's no, I'm coming back. Yeah, I think that's who he is. I think you saw the way he destroyed cancer. Like, great for him. He was so ready to get back on the mound. I don't think if he's healthy, I don't think there's any way that he's not saying, I want to be back. And you're not going to tell Liam Hendricks, no, we want you to sit out. I think at that point, <laughs> he's going to come back. But I don't know when. It might not be until September, middle of September, even end of September. I think he'll probably be sidelined a little while. So, fair enough. 
Gregory Santos should be the strongman on the waiver wire this weekend on Sunday. A couple other closing options we'll get to in a second to go along with him. So you should be able to put some some waterfall bids in there in that area. Let's get into another one that went down in New York. David Robertson, the closer for the Mets, he got traded to Miami. The question really revolves is whether or not Robertson is going to close in Miami. It seems to be the popular opinion that he does, but what says you? I think Robertson closes. AJ Pook has been good. He hasn't been great, and especially lately. He also has some pretty drastic splits righty-lefty. I think maybe if he's coming in the heart of the lineup for the team, has two big slugging lefties, maybe then they'll go with Pook. But I think Robertson is going to have the majority of those save opportunities. He's been a lot. He's more consistent. He has that veteran leadership which I think does make a lot of difference, especially on a younger team like Miami. Yeah, oh gosh. In Pook's last 8.1 innings, he has given up nine earned runs, 9.72 area since the start of July. So I don't think you make a trade for a closer like Robertson after seeing those results and then put Robertson in a setup role. Yeah, I think what it really does is it really stifles all the hype that has been building around Tanner Scott, who everybody assumed was going to take over the role from Puck anyway. Puck did get the save on Friday, so there's something to be said there. I always go back and reference Grant Washburn's article in the offseason, and he just updated it midseason just earlier last week regarding arbitration and save chances or save opportunities given. and. You should go make sure you guys are all checking that out as well for his updates. But obviously, Puck still arbitration eligible as well. So you would assume a team like Miami who does want to find a way to save money, though I know they like him. They wouldn't have traded for him if they didn't. If they have the opportunity to bring in an actual closer whose the number of saves will not impact their contract in David Robertson, that's a direction that they have to consider at least. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. One other, one smaller trade, and then we'll get to the big one that just happened. Carlos Santana, he's on the move again. And of course, the ongoing joke that I'm totally on board with is that he, Carlos Santana is going to be a, is already a solid immaculate grid option. If you guys are out playing that, he's going to have, he's going to, he's going to be on a lot of boards on the, in the next couple of days when you see all those teams overlapping but now he's playing from milwaukee starting first baseman dh role as well and we'll just bold mold this one into it as well because their normal dh jesse winker hit the il with back spasms they also called up abraham toro to kind of replace him on the roster not necessarily in his position but at least on the roster first with santana matt do you see this does he does his via his fancy viability change at all moving from his situation in Pittsburgh to the situation he he finds himself now in Milwaukee? Accounting stats should at least be a little bit better. You'd think Milwaukee compared to Pittsburgh that should help. I still think he's only really viable in OBP leagues on base percentage leagues. Like I don't, he's fine. He's gonna have some hot streaks like any big power hitters do, but. He's got good plate discipline. He's a corner infielder. I feel like those are a dime a dozen players like him. Hit for some power, get hot, hit for low averages. I don't necessarily think there's that big of a change, except a small boost in those RBI totals probably. 
Yeah, that's fair. I think 83% roster in the main event, you're still out there in a few of those 15 teamers, much more readily available in your 12 teamers. So if you are in even a 12 teamer that has a deep roster spot, if you have that corner infield spot, you have a couple of utils, you are looking for power. I do, you know, not only in that lineup for that team, but that ballpark obviously is going to be a little bit of a boon for Santana in Milwaukee. He made his debut for Milwaukee on Saturday, playing first base, batting third in that lineup, swinging a hot bat before the trade. We'll see if he can continue that in Milwaukee as well, but it is nice to see that he gets plugged right into the heart of the lineup for plenty of RBI opportunities. Yeah. Rowdy Telez, I feel like that could be an impact. I know he's still on the IL. I don't really know when Telez is coming back, but you figure they're pretty similar. Telez probably sees his playing time take a little bit of a hit. I guess they have the DH spot too, but I'm guessing Telez sees less time. He was struggling earlier this year too. Really disappointing. Yeah, of course you have Luke Voigt also being DFA'd before that as well. They're all just pretty much the same boat. (laughs) Yeah, they're the same hitter. All right. All right. And the big guy here, we have Max Scherzer. He apparently, by all accounts, he did waive his yeah. his no trade clause. He also took advantage of his player option for 2024. So he is under contract, but not with the Mets. He'll be under contract with his new team, the Texas Rangers. He joins former and current teammate Jake DeGrom in Texas through the 2024 <laughs> season as well. Obviously, Max DeGrom, 100% rostered, not a concern. He's just going to continue to pitch for now a winning bowl club with the Texas Rangers. So that's nice. But on the other end, the Mets get prospect Luis Hanhiel Acuna. Yes, brother of the Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Atlanta Braves. With Acuna specifically, what's his timeline? Like, it does his timeline change? Now that he's out of Texas and in New York, or do you think he's just where he's at? He's probably going to continue to move at the same rate. So the move to New York, getting out of Texas for Acuna is a big deal. They are pretty set in that infield. Josh Young, Corey Seager, Marcus Semien. They're pretty locked in there. The move to New York, it I don't know how much it changes. That infield... Lindor is not going anywhere. McNeil can play the outfield some, but he plays a lot of second base. You have Ronnie Maurizio. He's coming. He's not far. He's at the top of the stash list article that I put out every week. I keep waiting for the Mets to call him (laughs) up. I'm not sure what they're waiting for there. And Brett Beatty, who I know he's been a little bit disappointing, but I still think Beatty's got a ton of potential. So I'm not sure how much it changes Acuna's timeline. I think he's likely up at some point next year. He's in double A now. He'll probably move to triple A to start next year, would be my guess. I think they probably let him ride out this year in double A, new team, want to see how he adjusts, give him a chance. Triple A next year. I think he makes his debut next year. I'm not sure how much of a fantasy impact he necessarily has next year, though. I'm sure it'll be a name recognition alone will get him stashed on a couple of DCs and draft and holds styles as well in in the late run. So it would be fun to see how that works out if he does anything, especially with the Mets. We've seen the Mets call up these prospects, right? And then not only do some of them have some of them fizzled out or at least not produced the way we expect them out of the gate, but also calling these guys up without like specific playing time opportunity. 
So you have yeah. these guys coming up and especially on the infield or in a DH role, we're like, all right, how, where are they going to play? When are they going to play? Yeah, I guess you do have the DH role. Daniel Vogelback isn't exactly holding it down. Pete, Alon- Pete Alonso is a good fielding first baseman at this point, though. I don't know they want to move him to DH, but you have another option. I guess Beatty to move to DH, and then that opens up another infield spot for everybody. Of course, but, you want to see Alvarez getting as many at-bats as well when he's yeah, not behind the right. plate. Yeah, He's filling in yeah, the DH. that's another good point. Last thing here we talked about, I mentioned that Jesse Winker went the IL with back spasms, another IL stint with back issues himself, Jordan Romano. He hits the IL for the Toronto Blue Jays, opening up a spot at the back end of that bullpen, at least for the next two weeks or so. In your opinion, Yimi Garcia, Eric Swanson, they've got to be the top ones to uh, assume the role. Yimi Garcia has already gotten a couple of saves as of recent. He's probably my bet is here, but do you see it any other way? I actually, I like Swanson. So I feel like like that's what I've seen on Twitter too. It's like the Garcia clan and then the Swanson clan. Swanson's been really good and they traded Teoscar Hernandez. And I know Hernandez has not had that good of a year, but they basically traded Teoscar Hernandez for Eric Swanson. And I don't think you do that if you aren't anticipating using him as your closer if something were to happen to Romano, like something just did. So I am a Swanson fan. I think his stuff is a little bit better. I think Toronto will probably... That would be my vote. I guess I'll leave it at that. That's my vote. Yeah, I think that just recent history, of course, Garcia is the one who came in through two pitches, got the save on Friday from after Romano was had to come out after throwing 25 pitches of his own. So we'll yeah. see if that uh, translates into more opportunities moving forward. I do not think Toronto has gotten into a save opportunity tonight as I scroll. No, they won their game by more than the three runs necessary today. So we will have to wait and see what opportunities the Blue Jays give to the back end of the rotation. Of course, they called up Nate Pearson to replace Jordan Romano on the roster and in the bullpen for that matter. Pearson did come in on Saturday, get a strikeout, a clean inning of work later in the game. Mimi Garcia did come in after two strikeouts and gave up one hit, but scoreless in and of itself as well. So I think that's interesting though, because they won decently big, right? Toronto won. Yeah, they won six to to one. If they use Garcia in a non-save situation, that almost signals to me that they are saving Swanson for the save situation. Maybe it's because Swanson threw 13, pitch, 13 pitches yesterday, I think. Yeah. And so they didn't want to use him again. But he hadn't pitched the two days before that. You figure both were available. I just assume both would be available in a tighter game for sure. They, yeah. To be fair, Toronto did score four of their six in the seventh and eighth inning combined. And so it was a much closer game going into the seventh. It was only a one-run game. Still a safe situation going into the eighth. Pearson did get the hold. They tacked on those insurance runs. I didn't watch this game, but it's possible me, that Amy right. Garcia was already warming up to like, all right, because it was a safe situation. Yeah. So like, maybe. all right, you're already warm. You only threw two pitches yesterday. Just go, just finish it off. No, yeah. no reason to warm anybody else up at this point. So a, a situation to monitor. If you, if any of the Blue Jays fans out there know better, make sure you tweet at us. Let us know <laughs> that situation at hand because 
these guys all will all be bid on Sunday night for sure, along with Gregory Santos of the White Sox. And it, I can't, I wouldn't believe that Robertson, or, excuse me, Dave Robertson would be available at this point in most leagues. But if he is, of course, he will continue to be bid on as well. That's going to do it. We had a lot of trades happen. Of course, that's going to take up the majority, if not the entirety of (laughs) our discussion here in the news and notes section. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to talk to Matt about his top 100 list soon to be updated and any other trades he'd like to see happen to open up situations for some top prospects to make a difference in 2023. We'll be right back. Fads come and go and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we're back. You're still listening to On The Wire. Of course, I am Adam Howe. This week, joined by Matt Heckman, the dynasty manager at PitcherList.com. He's got his top 100 prospect list out. Make sure you Google that. Check on the site. You can find it, but soon it will be updated as well. I'm assuming, Matt, you'll be including some of the draftees from the most recent draft a couple weeks ago, as well as any other adjustments you might be making based on how you put the how you put this stuff together so let me let's get everybody like a quick little introduction as to your process how you put this list together and as i was talking to you off air before we started recording if you look at a lot of the other top 100 400s whatever list you're looking at in the industry yours does fluctuate quite a bit in certain areas obviously there are some that are just like lock and step because these yeah. guys are almost like obvious answers to the to trivia questions, if you will. But there are definitely some names that are on your top 100 that you don't see on other lists and some other ones that are just not on it. So what goes into kind of your process as to how you make these decisions? Yeah, so it will be updated July 31st. Last day of the month is always what I've been doing the last couple of months. So that is coming. I am working on the final updates. Look out for that on Pitcher List. It will include the new draftees so i'm pretty excited i think there are 10 in my top 100 right now i think three though are in the back 10 which are always final couple days i'm always tinkering with who actually lands (laughs) inside that top 10 who i want to do i want to make a statement about a player that i really that's a 102 that i want to get in or should i actually leave him out because i think he's a little bit worse but um, yeah it does differ a little bit. I know last year, one of the big things, I was on the Keeper Cup podcast one time and I was talking with Chad and Pete about it. I was high on some pitchers. I was had a lot in my top 30, a little bit less now because a lot of them have graduated. Or my list mm-hmm. is, I do only guys in the minor leagues. Once If they're in the major leagues, I take them off my list. So I think that's something 
that's a little bit different. I want to get as many prospect names on these lists as possible. That's my goal. It's easier for me to track if you're in the major leagues, you're off my list instead of worrying about prospect eligibility. That's a little bit selfish. So is but, it, um, hold on, let me catch yeah. Does it mean once they make their debut, they're off? Or if they get sent back down, can they make it back onto your list? They come back on. So okay. we've So it's seen, like the way Nick does the pitcher list. And yes, exactly. if you're injured, you're off the list. If you're, right. once you get back from injury, you could just jump back in. Yeah, exactly. So one example, Michael Bush, he's back on the prospect list since he's been up and down. He still has eligibility. I feel like I've been ranking him for other. For, <laughs> yeah, he's one of those yeah. for sure. Oswald Peraza, he's back down. So he went back down yesterday. So he technically would be back on the list. He he was in my like 40 to 50 range now. I'm, I think after the way the Yankees are using him, he's fallen. He might not even crack the top 100. Ouch. He's, in, he's on the bubble. I, he's... <laughs> he has not looked good in the major leagues. It's been hard. But that was something I'm I think hitters have almost as much risk as pitchers do sometimes. Injuries are so uncertain. You're never sure where it's when it's gonna happen. This year it was Andrew Painter. He was a top five prospect Jeez. for me. That really <laughs> Phillies fan, that really hurt. But we see other guys go down all the time. Andy Pages from the Dodgers, Tyler Locklear right now is hurt in Seattle. I think injuries are a freak thing, and just because they're a little bit more common in pitchers doesn't necessarily mean that I want to shy away from ranking those pitchers high. Also, I feel like one other thing I really look for and that I've really started to hone in on this year is the ground ball rates. That's something that I wrote a Going Deep article about it. I think last month, I think it was at the end of June that I went out, just looking at how hitters at high ground ball rates, if they're not a generational talent, if they're not a Juan Soto, if they're not a Ronald Acuna Jr., if they're not these talents that are just made to play baseball, made to be amazing, they're a lot more likely to struggle, statistically more likely to struggle. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes I have trouble rating prospects as high just based on their raw tools when they hit the ball into the ground at a very high rate. So that's one thing I know Junior Caminero, he, I love Caminero. He rates as a top 20 prospect for me, but a lot of people have him in the top three, top five on their lists, which if you think he's a generational talent, I don't see any, obviously go get your guys, but I'm a little bit more skeptical over. He keeps hitting ground ball rates, high forties, low fifties at all these levels. And it, until I see that change and adjustment and growth, I'm a little bit more skeptical of some players like that. Yeah, that's fair. I like hearing the fact that obviously you are not a member of the Tin Snap Club. Pitchers no. can definitely <laughs> be prospects. If you have, of yeah. course, you have Andrew Painter in your top five at one point. Obviously, that takes a little bit of a hit, and it was definitely yeah, he, a big teardrop that month. had to be wiped yeah. from my eye, from my face. <laughs> that when that <laughs> happened, especially yeah. And I got nothing on you as an actual Phillies fan to yeah. see that <laughs> come to fruition. All right, let's let me get your opinion on some trades that you'd like to see. Some of them may have already happened, and we can get into that. But the trade deadline is until Tuesday. 
course, we lots can still happen even while we're recording the show. I haven't seen anything come across the desk yet, but <laughs> who knows? We do. My Twitter know, notifications we, haven't come up. Yet. Right, I have right, them right. up, so I don't know Jeff Passan tweets. So I am. I just put all my faith in the Pitcherless Discord, and I okay. just follow the MLB news tweets channel. And I'm like, they're quick I don't in there. Eat. They're quick. I, in exactly. There. I'm just. I get every <laughs> and then. It's really you've got 50 people working for you all at once rather than just uh, (laughs) scrolling through your timeline on Twitter. Because I don't know that I could trust my notifications on that site at this time. With that being said, give me me some trades you like to see happen. Not specifics, just like I want to know who you think is ready to come up but maybe is blocked and you would like to see them either A move move franchises so they can find a new change of scenery so they can move up or see the person in front of them kick to the curb to another team <laughs> so that their team can call them up and they can get a little cup of coffee in the last two months. Yeah, perfect for the stash list that's coming out tomorrow. That's what I feel like a lot of have really been honing in on. Justin Foscu is one name that instantly comes to mind. Second baseman, he plays some third base too for the Rangers. He was their first round pick from a couple of years ago. He doesn't do one thing amazing. He just does a lot of little things very well. He hits for decent power. He's got decent speed. He's got a very strong hit tool that's come a long way. He's walking more than he's striking out in AAA right now, which is always impressive no matter how old you are, no matter what level you're in. This walk more than you strike out at any level is impressive. And I think that provides an easier transition to the major leagues. We're seeing Ellie De La Cruz as talented as he is. Some of the struggles he's having because of those strikeout rates, those high whiff rates, those high chase rates, Go getting a prospect or sashing a prospect that might not have those same concerns. Sure, you're capping your upside a little bit, but it could be more valuable in certain aspects. So Justin Foscu getting out of that logjam middle infield in Texas. Now, will they do it? They just traded Acuna. I'm not sure if they'll also trade Foscu. I don't know how much I want to deplete that middle infield depth, but I would like to see him get an opportunity somewhere else, I think. That's yeah. definitely one. I get the concern. Like, of course, Texas just traded away Acuna. But if they really feel strongly about winning this division and the AL West is no joke, they can. This is the time, man. You just got Scherzer. Yeah. You, go all in. You, there's go been all rumors. In here. There's been rumors of them going after Jordan Hicks. That doesn't really help Foscu. St. Louis's middle infield's pretty. Another player, Mason Wynn. Mason Wynn. I would love to see. He has been red hot in AAA for the Cardinals. I think he's got six home runs since the All-Star break or something like some crazy number. He has been incredible. He's got really good speed. I'm a little more skeptical of that game power once he gets to the major league level. I don't his swing is more designed for gaps. He's more of a speed guy. I but he can hit 15 to 20 home runs. I think once he's up he's proving that down in the minor leagues if the Cardinals want to trade Paul DeYoung and get him if they want out to of there. i think <laughs> if they will if somebody wants to acquire yeah, yeah, yeah that's i think yeah i don't think it's on the cardinals <laughs> at this point <laughs> they the only one i've read is that they said they're not actually going to be trading nolan arenado we won't see arenado changing jerseys once again at the trade at the trademark trade deadline as he did moving from colorado but yeah mason Wynn has been killing it I want to. I just want to see him throwing 100 miles per hour from oh, yeah. at the major league level. Him and Ellie De La Cruz, can yeah, chase oh, off in a game. Let's just. There, there you I go. mean, the St. Louis they play Cincinnati again. That would be that'd be quite I feel a thing like to they watch. Have to now <laughs> right, the schedule it's a little. 
yeah. hard. <laughs> now I got myself curious. All right, let's see. Yeah, St. I'm Louis, looking. St. Louis, St. Louis. Come on, scroll. No, September scroll. 8th to 10th. There they it is. They do play. Nice. And they play the final series September 29th to October 1st. All right, so there's two chances. Two more series. One in Cincinnati, yeah, and one in St. Louis. So that would be that'd be something to, to watch in September for two teams that one may still have a chance and one definitely does not. You can decide which <laughs> one I'm talking about. All right, we got a couple more on here. I think that was a nice little segue that you got Mace Wynn in there. That uh, worked that out was, nice. Yeah, it worked Sweet out nice. Transition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Rays, the Rays always have guys, I feel. And they're hard with prospects because they have talented players. And they're even though they're scuffling a little now, they're just so good and that lineup is so filled. It's getting these guys a chance at the major league level. Curtis Mead and Jonathan Aranda, both Mead was struggling for a while, got hurt. He's been really good since coming back. He rumors were early on that he was going to make, the Rays wanted him to make the team out of camp. They offered him a contract the same way they other teams do with other players to help with that service time and arbitration and the clock. And they couldn't agree on a deal. And so Meade went down to AAA, struggled, got hurt. But now that he's back, I think he could be somebody that teams want to acquire. And Jonathan Aranda the same way. He's had a couple major league stints. He hasn't really looked that good but also the playing time has been very inconsistent when he's up and so how much can you really find out about a player when they're playing every third fourth day so i think a team could easily want one of those two if the rays are trying to make a move i'd like to see either one with playing time yeah yeah of course you've got mazardo as well in tampa bay inching his way to the he's hurt right now though so that's a little that's a little but mansardo is really good but I just don't, I don't know if I'm becoming less confident that he, we see him this year just based on his injuries. Yeah. Me, be nice to see him actually at the major league level and almost be better off seeing him not in Tampa Bay. Yeah. For, with you know, regular, regular playing, playing time. time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think he could. And I mentioned this in the Sasha Samara. I think Mead could find his way to Tampa. One of them, even without a trade, I think. Brandon Lau, he doesn't play against lefties for one and two. He's been, he's he's right around league average this year. He's got like a 105 WRC plus. He's not the best fielder. So I think if he struggles, they could call him up. He's also had injury history. Josh Lau has been struggling also a little bit, especially lately with strikeouts, with batting average. So they could shift their players around, move even Brandon Lau to the outfield to replace Josh Lau and then call up Meade or Aranda. So I think they have a chance in Tampa, but I would much rather just see them get consistent playing time somewhere else. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and we talked about earlier in the show, we talked about all the prospects that we saw the Mets calling up, the fluctuation of different playing times. What other situations do you think could open up, especially if they're obviously selling Scherzer? We're expecting at this point that they're going to trade away Verlander. If they're willing to trade away Scherzer, with that player option, Verlander is yeah. definitely on the table. He's been scouted as well, but they have they should be open to trading pretty much anybody who's not nailed down. Yeah, I think so. You get Tommy Pham, Marcana. Both of those seem likely to be traded, especially Pham. 
expiring contract, really good value this year for what the production has been lately. Another immaculate grid, darling. <laughs> he is. He's bounce. He's he's quietly <laughs> bouncing around everywhere. It's like you don't realize how many teams he's played for, but. <laughs> He could, either one of those where both of them could get traded. You move Jeff McNeil to the outfield. You play Ronnie Maurizio up at second base. Maurizio's been playing the outfield down in AAA as well. I think a trade of either of those, the Mets can't justify keeping him down anymore. I, You wouldn't think. At this point, I feel like they want to... <laughs> I you wouldn't think a lot anyway. of things about the Mets, though. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I, we didn't think we didn't think they'd be in this situation this year. So here we hey, are. I put I I'm gonna be honest. I put five bucks that the Mets would not make the playoffs in the in my future. Did Mets. you? Wow. Yeah. Well, then again, I'm also a Red Sox fan, so okay. we put five bucks. Just, I'm both the Yankees and the Mets not to make wow. the playoffs, and so they're both looking okay right okay. now. Okay. Knock on wood. Still Knock two more wood. months. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think he could come up. You mentioned. Scherzer getting dealt already. Verlander on the table. They have Mike Vassil. I actually don't know how to pronounce his last name. He is a pitcher who is playing really well in double A. He's in triple A right now, and the results haven't been quite as good. I am a little less confident we see him. I think we'd be more likely to see like David Peterson, Tyler McGill, Joey Lucchesi instead of Vassil. I think that's how you pronounce it. But the strikeout stuff is there. With him, he's got a good fastball, good deep four-pitch mix. It's just about his control. It was not very good in high A last year, really good in double A this year in the first 51 innings, taking a big step back since going to triple A. I'm less confident, though, that we see him. Fair enough. I think that's a lot of good names is pretty much takes over the wildcard section of our fab recommendation list, which I really appreciate. <laughs> These are guys that, of course, most of them have no major league experience, minus Aranda, I think it was the only one you listed here that it was a possibility that has major league experience. So not available in most NFBC formats unless they were drafted for some reason in your fab leagues. So- oh, Cleveland, Cleveland, Brian Rochea. With Rosario okay. gone, he because he's already been up, he's probably available. He's got good speed. I don't think the current shortstops on Cleveland's roster are going to be good enough to hold down that spot. He's our Richie already been in the major leagues this year. I think we see him again. He's worth another name to mention. I think he'll nice. probably be up soon. Just wanted to throw that in there real quick. Forgot about him when we were talking about that Rosario trade. Yeah, that trade is, like you said, there are trades that have already gone down that are going to be impacting lineup. Tyler Freeman, once thought to be a, a pretty good prospect for Cleveland, is filling in at shortstop at the moment, but he is not playing every day by any stretch of the imagination. He's pretty much gotten every every two days off or two days off plays a game, two days off plays a game. So we'll see if his playing time does change in the coming. If they give him a little bit of a run there, Gabriel Arias as well, filling in at the shortstop position. So we'll see if they make a mu- another move to call other guys up, like you mentioned, in Cleveland. So keep your eye on out for these guys. Check your wire. See if they are available. Throw in a speculation buck if you've got some roster flexibility. Or at the very least, watch out for next week. See if these guys, any of these guys gets traded, gets called up. Sometimes it happens right away. Sometimes they get traded and it takes them a couple of weeks to get that call up with their new team. So 
not something I think you want to be saving all your fab dollars because you don't have a lot of fab dollars left. I guarantee you, whoever's <laughs> no. listening does not have a lot of fab dollars left. I don't left. have a lot of fab dollars <laughs> left. I know that. <laughs> but some names to keep an eye out for sure. I and mean, if they do get moved, somebody, some guys that you want to be looking out for, keeper situations in the right leagues or if you're doing an early draft in the offseason, like I probably will be come October or early November. All right. I think that's a lot of great names, Matt. Thank you so much. Make sure you guys are checking out Matt's updated list. Comes out at the end of the month at pitcherlist.com, as well as the stash list that comes out on Sunday. As you're listening to this, it should already be out. So go over to pitcherlist.com and check that out. Matt, is there anything else that you are working on that everybody else should know about that we haven't talked about? Nothing. We have the performance reports that I do. Those are going to be starting back up again as we get this Dynasty team growing. So I guess that's a little plug if any of aspiring Dynasty fantasy baseball content creators, we do have open positions on the Dynasty team that we're looking to fill. We're really looking to grow that over at Pitcher List. So that's a little plug there. So that actually is coming out August 2nd, a pitcher performance report coming out for Dynasty baseball. Weekly lineup articles over at Fantrax, but no big projects, just the prospect list. Got to finalize those names, see who makes the cut and see who doesn't. Yeah. So if you're interested in joining Matt's team over at pitcherlist.com, make sure you can, your DMs are open. I'm assuming Matt, you can yes, check my them out DMs on, are always open. Yes, on X or Twitter or whatever at Heckman underscore Matt 115. You can probably also email pitcherlist at info at pitcherlist.com. Nick will make sure that Matt gets your interest email as well there as well. So check that out. Check out everything Matt's got going on and check us out after we take this quick break as we finally get into our fab recommendations going into next week. We'll be doing that right after this. All right, we are back once again on The Wire. Let's get right into our fab recommendations for this week. The pool keeps getting tighter and tighter, which is not that much of a surprise, of course. If you are in an AL or NL-only league, you, you, you got that hammer. Congratulations for the last two months. You're going to have some options. You're going to have your Max Scherzers moving over from the NL to the mm-hmm. AL. You're going to have your, if you're into that sort of thing, the Lance Lynn's going from the AL to the NL. <laughs> Rosario, worse, Chief, right? Yeah, Rosario, <laughs> Giolito, all these trades really that we talked about at the beginning of the show, they are cross league trades. And so there's going to be some options maybe beyond the David Robertson, every single one of them, at least the major names did change leagues in those only leagues you're going to have some fun bidding for sure but if you are in your standard 15 12 teamer mixed leagues the field hasn't really changed a whole lot with these trades beyond some of the names that we already threw out there so let's dive into some of the guys that might be available depending on what categories you're trying to chip away at trying to make the most moves up your standings of course we always start off in the hitting categories with power this is guys these are guys that you think can Chip away at home runs, RBIs, and your standard five by five. So you got a great name on here. I'm going to let you lead us off here, Matt, because you got a name that I took off the news section because I knew you were going to talk about him here, and it's right in your wheelhouse. So it's a good way to start mm-hmm. us off with a with a prospect who's going to knock in a couple home runs next week for us. I think Marco Luciano has a chance. He's that raw power in his profile is exciting. 
it's something that's worth paying attention to. Six foot two, 178, pretty swing when it's all going right. There is risk. There is significant risk. Five plate appearances in, he struck out in two of them. So 40% strikeout rate. You look at his Fangraphs player page and you're like, wow, he's got some serious plate discipline issues. But he does have swing and miss in his game. He does have chase in his game. But there is legitimate power in his profile. He, I think he's going to get some run in San Francisco. They want to see what he has. I think he could be a player that could add some power. I will say, yeah. I mean, he has started at shortstop. All three days that he's been called up from AAA, Brian Crawford does appear to be back from the IL. Did not start on Saturday, however. So we'll see. The I Army. Mean, I don't. You correct me. Did Luciano was supposed to move to the outfield at one point, but did that kind of just not happen in the minors? Are they confident? Are the Giants confident that he is like a shortstop of the future? Yeah, I think he put those concerns to bed. His fielding still isn't the greatest. He maybe he moves off of shortstop to somewhere else in the infield, but I'm not sure they're really looking at him as an outfielder anymore. They at least haven't experimented with it. They've become, he's, he's, he's looked better. I've seen him a couple times. I've watched him play some shortstop and he looks capable. He is never going to be a gold glove winner, but I don't think he is a liability out there. Fair enough. Casey Schmidt been playing shortstop in Crawford's absence before Luciano got called up, moved back over to second base with the call up through Luciano. It does look like Luciano's going to get a little bit of a run. And obviously, as you mentioned, definitely has the power in his bat. Might have some caveats, like you mentioned. But the beauty of those caveats is usually makes a very streaky hitter, right? So if he can get on a nice streak, he can be a guy that can change the tides in that category two for, for you. Two for quickly. four today. There two we for go. Four. Yeah. There we go. Two strikeouts in his other two played appearances. No, we didn't talk about that. We're not talking about this. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. We don't talk about this. Just the two, the hits. Those are the ones. Yes, the hits. <laughs> All right. So I got a little bit of a deeper one. Not so much deeper where he's available in less places per se, but somebody I'm looking at, especially if I am looking to fill in that middle infield spot, Michael Massey of Kansas City. He is 64% rostered in the main event, but a little bit more readily available in your 12-teamers, in your online championships. Doesn't That's still a third of league's 15-teamers that he's going to be available as well. I think if I had put him on this recommendation list earlier in the season, there's no chance I would have put him into the power category. I would have put him into opportunity. I think I did put him into the opportunity category and or maybe even speed, but he's really shown that's not really his game this season. Granted, he is in Kansas City. It's not helping almost any aspect of his game per se, but more re- more recently, he has shown a lot more a lot more production, 28.1% hard contact rate on the season, ranks him at 134 overall. So that's well above your league average in that category at 26.6%. So a good, almost two points above that. So always like to see that above average hard contact rate for a guy that you're looking for some kind of power means when he's making plenty of contact and, and a lot of that contact it are hard hit balls. So rather than just look at the balls he is hitting, we talk about this all the time, hard hits over plate appearances, much more indicative to ongoing success than hard hits over batted balls, which is what you with hard hard hit rate. It, 
I'm going to reference this last week as well. I'm going to reference it again. I'll probably continue to reference it every week. (laughs) If you're not a PL Pro subscriber, you should be utilizing these tools, especially on the hitter ability metrics side. There's a great app for both pitchers and hitters to look at these rolling charts regarding what they're actually doing with the pitches that they are presenting with. And if you look at the one that stands out for Massey is just his overall hitting performance over an 800 pitch threshold is just continuously going up um, all season. It, technically, it is slightly above major league average, but it's continuously moving up throughout the course of the season. And it is at an all-time high currently right now in the last 800 pitches. On top of that, of course, we are in the power category, so I got to switch it over to power. And he has been consistently, well, decently above major league average as well in the category. We're talking about expected extra bases added over the course of the season. And his season average is a good, is around 0. 0.06, 0.07 and above the major league average, which is right around 0.02. And so I know that's hard to fathom when <laughs> I'm just talking, I'm just throwing numbers out there uh, <laughs> over a microphone. That's why I implore you to check out those these, graphs. Uh, are so good. Oh, those so graphs good. are so good. So this is definitely an area in which Massey is definitely getting better at can be, especially at the second base position or at the middle infield position. If you have a hole there, somebody you want to look at. And if you're looking for second base and you're looking for a, a little bit of a power boost, he could pop out a couple. He is on the road for half of the week as well. So it's nice to get him out of Kaufman and get him into more hitter-friendly ballparks, which is pretty much all of them <laughs> outside of Kansas City. We're going to see him hosting the Mets for three games, but then he goes to your Philadelphia Phillies for the weekend. And then he goes into Fenway for four games to start next week, which is always a good sign. Fenway, one of the more one of the most hitter friendly ballparks in yeah. all of baseball. Yeah, a lot of good ballpark matchups there. Massey's been a lot better. He was battling some injuries, I think, too earlier in the season. And now that he's back, he looks healthy again. He's getting into a rhythm. I think he could that's a really good pickup if you need some power. And middle infield's always hard. Second base is always Hard to find that power production too. I like yeah, his that's, teammate. I like his teammate a little bit too, Freddie Fermin, catcher for this. He's getting a lot more, a lot more playing time. Something we didn't touch on in the news section, of course, is Nick Prado hits the IL as well. But with that to talk about, Fermin is it moved Salvi Perez to first base, and so. Salvi's been playing a lot of DH, but he don't, he's still behind the dish every once in a while as well. But to have Melendez in the outfield and Salvi now has an as an, almost as a necessity at first base for Kansas City gives plenty of opportunity for Furman to to take in extra playing time behind the dish for Kansas City. So it's yeah. a good call. Out. Yeah, they have a lot. I think they play three lefties in the next week too. So that's another bonus for Furman to get into that lineup a little bit more. Yeah. And yeah, Massey not really sitting a whole lot. He has sat two of the last three lefties that have, that have come through, but he's he's still playing against lefties as well. So it's, he's yeah. not exactly in a, a strict platoon for say. He, he might sit one of those games, but I wouldn't say that just because he's facing a bunch of lefties means he's not going to play. And he's been moving up in the lineup and obviously losing Prado is going to fluctuate that lineup as well. So Massey's going to take advantage of that 
hitting in the middle of that order as well. All right, let's get into the speed category. I'm going to leave this one off because as I'm looking over all my speed <laughs> metrics that I run every week, I found somebody that stood out and I was very surprised to see somebody stand out like this. And then I'm like, all right, I got to go make sure he's not rostered anywhere. No, he's rostered absolutely nowhere. And I'm talking, of course, about Yu Chang, the starting shortstop for my Boston Red Sox. So proud. So very proud. <laughs> and we'll see. There were a lot of talks about the aforementioned the young being traded to Boston and perhaps taking over that role. But for now, Yu Chang is the everyday shortstop for the Boston Red Sox, the red hot Red Sox. I will go ahead and throw that out there as well. <laughs> and he is available everywhere. I am talking about speed categories. We're talking about stolen bases. We're talking about runs scored. He is batting ninth. So it does hurt, obviously, his opportunities to get extra plate appearances. But the beauty of batting ninth is that you have the top of the order to knock you in as long as he can get on base, which he's not doing that bad of a job doing recently. Since returning from the IL, which was on July 7th, so the majority of the month of July, he has started at shortstop all but two days. He's only had three opportunities to steal second. So every time he gets on base, there's somebody in front of him. I get that. But of the three opportunities, he's taken two of them. And so Alex Cora is trusting him to take advantage of the situations when they do present them to him. He has enough speed in his game to, to take advantage of the rules, to take advantage of the closer bases and all that. The beauty of it is that who they face off against Seattle to start the week. And though Seattle overall doesn't rank highly as far as a team that allows a lot of runners to attempt stolen bases, the ones that do attempt are almost always successful. So all he needs is the green light during an opportunity against Seattle. They are... Uh, since June 1st, opposing runners against Seattle have a 94% success rate wow. against the Mariners. <laughs> whereas the in that time frame, the major league average is 79%. And that's pretty standard. We're in the mid-70s ranges where you see that anywhere between 76, 78%. So right now, obviously, people, runners in general are being more successful and they're taking more risks in general. So this is an opportunity, at least for the first half of the week, you want to pop out a stolen base here or there, maybe score a couple of runs just because if he's getting on base and getting knocked in, he is widely available. At the very least, he should be a dollar bid at the bottom of your waterfall and you shouldn't be upset if you end up getting him and you save some fab, fab bucks, especially since he does have shortstop and second base eligibility in the NFBC. And of course, in Yahoo, they got to give out extra prizes. So he does have first base eligibility <laughs> in Yahoo as well. Hu Chang, not expecting to see him in a lot of bids, but I would I would recommend checking him out just in case you do need that middle infield speed spark. And he'll see if he can get you a bag or two. His BABIP is 176 this year. That's not that good. Is in, that is incredibly low. He's got a 20% line drive rate. His launch angle looks good. There might be some average upside if he gets hot for a week. I'm not saying that Yu Chang is going to become a 300 hitter. A thing. <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't think Yu Chang mania is going to break out anywhere. But he's got speed, and I think that average should come. You'd think that Babbitt has to come up. Yeah, obviously the rotation Seattle is no joke, and he's going to have his work coming out for him, at least against their starters. A bullpen is not that bad either. He just needs to get on base. Yeah. once or twice just the small thing just get on base yeah that's it no big deal <laughs> that's it just, you can't just steal first yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all 
All right. If Yu Chang is not your top choice, who might you be looking at to, to steal some bases for you this week, Matt? He was mentioned last week on the show, and I'm going to throw his name out there again. Travis Jankowski probably is a good bet to steal a base. He's got plenty of speed. He's batting second for the Rangers. Second in that great lineup is going to score you runs. He Even if his current batting average is unsustainable, he's not a 314 hitter. I watched him play in Philly a couple of years ago, and that's, that's not who he is. But he's got 15 stolen bases in 65 games. He's very fast. He's walking over 11% of the time. So Jankowski can, is hitting for average. He's walking. So unlike Yu Chang, he has that ability right now to get on base. He's doing that successfully. And he's willing to run 15 for 16 in stolen base attempts. So going, getting Jankowski, as long as he's playing, as long as Corey Seager is on the I.L., I think Jankowski could be a boost and he's not really going to cost you a lot because how many people actually want to pick up Travis Jankowski? I think sometimes we get stigmatisms about players in our head and I'm like, I don't want to roster Travis Jankowski. Why? Like he's not worth a roster spot, but he has value here. And that sometimes is the most underrated part. Yeah, we talked about him last week, like you mentioned, and he's 87% rostered in the main event. Of course, these are deep 15 teamers. He is being started by 77% of leagues. Uh, So people need those stolen bases. They know what they they can get out of them if he can go on that run. You mentioned it like he's a guy that will take advantage of pretty much anything you give him. Since July 1st, 43.75% SBOT, which is your stolen base opportunities taken. So just under 50% of the opportunities he's presented with, he is running towards second base with that 100% success rate, 7 for 7 at second base at least. So yeah, Jankowski, I like the echo call out here for Jankowski, (laughs) even in your 12-teamers. Yeah, I I think he's worth it. All right. All right. Let's get into our opportunity section. Of course, I'll go over some schedule notes to take keep in mind as you are making your decisions. We do have more teams have with a full seven game work week. We have 12 teams that have seven games, including Baltimore, the New York Yankees, Toronto, Houston, the Angels, Seattle, Miami, Philadelphia, the Cubs, Cincinnati, Milwaukee, and Arizona. They all have a full seven game work week. We only have two games that we have to, two teams that we have to worry about having two off days. That's Detroit and Oakland. But there's something of note, especially when it comes with Oakland, is that Oakland plays a Battle of the Bay series against San Francisco. It's fun. We see this obviously with New, the New York teams will play the Subway series, the, the Angels and Dodgers will play, and Chicago teams. And it's always fun. But the fact is that they only have a two game series. They are off. They are both going to be off. On Friday, because, of course, the Giants being in San Francisco, they have a really far travel time (laughs) to go across the bay to Oakland. Oakland will be playing in Los Angeles, so they've got to take a long time going up I-5 to get back home. I get it. You need the extra rest. It's a big deal. (laughs) A lot of of traffic. I made sure to check because I made this joke earlier in the season with St. Louis and the Cubs when they were playing and or whoever yeah they were playing the they had a weird off day in the middle or two off days or something like that i'm like oh and i totally forgot that they were playing in london i I did the same thing i had so i I will check this one no this one is in oakland (laughs) they are not not, traveling i do not understand why they have an extra day off somebody please tweet me let me know 
what's the big deal here? But either way, it's weird. They have Friday off. Keep that in mind. It is San Francisco's only day, but Oakland does have Monday and Friday off. It does put a hampering into your lineup changes on NFBC where you're making your lineup switches on Friday. But keep that in mind when you're making the decisions. Colorado always pointing out where they're playing. They will be home against San Diego to start the week. Then they have a three-game set in St. Louis over the weekend. So, of course, as it has been for most of the season, they will be splitting their week home and away. So not something you can really take advantage of for an entire week, unfortunately. With all that in mind and anything else that you want to consider, Matt, who might be a target of yours based on the opportunity that they have coming up this week? I think that the, even though there's a lot of bodies on the Orioles roster that are, they're trying to get playing time. I think Ramon Arias, Urias, Urias. I don't know why I said Urias. Sometimes it like, Cause there isn't a Urias. That's the thing. Yeah. When you have the, Urias. when you have the names that are they're exactly all the, the same, same way. low, yeah. loud, we already hit it on this one episode. Like it, yeah, they're all over the place, but <laughs> Anyway, I think he could have some value. They like his glove a lot in Baltimore, which I think can sometimes be underrated. They really appreciate his glove, his versatility in that infield. He's playing almost every day against righties, against lefties, especially against lefties. And Baltimore faces, I think, three lefties next week on top of having a full schedule. Yes, they play Ryu, Kikuchi, and David Peterson. Or, oh, and Quintana, so it up to four now that yeah. now that Scherzer, that's what roster resource is projecting now that Scherzer is gone. So they're going to play four lefties next week. That's going to mean a lot of playing time for Urias. And he's looked decent. And getting him out of Camden Yards is something that I think could be an underrated aspect of this. He, they're playing away. Camden Yards has that big wall out in right field that they decided to just push everything back 30 feet and make it impossible for right-handed hitters <laughs> to hit home runs, but that's a different rant for another day. And his home run rate has plummeted. He has a 13%, he's career 13% home run per five ball. Right, That number is down at 7% this year. His barrel rate is still strong. Urias's barrel rate's at 8.7%, average exit velocity at 90 miles an hour. He's still pulling fly, he's pulling the ball still, he's still getting it in the air. Everything looks in line with his career numbers except that home run per fly ball rate. I think they're playing an away series. They're on a road trip. They're not just playing an away series. They have four lefties that they're going up against in the next week. I think he's going to see a lot of playing time. And I think he's worth adding. Yeah. Your is a common name that gets thrown around. So Kevin, hopefully you're listening. We got our quota in from Ramon Urias come <laughs> in the episode. Always somebody that we're watching because he's always seems to be under rostered and still being pr- productive, even with the, the change in Baltimore. They find a way to make give him time in, in long stretches as well. Somebody I'm looking at, especially, I'm really going to focus on the fact that if you are in a one catcher league and you have basically punted the position and you are streaming catchers, 
this is a name that is probably still readily available. And most of the time when you're doing this, you're doing this on Yahoo. And so we're looking at Luis Campusano, 2% rostered in Yahoo, 45% rostered in the main event and 12% in the online championships, even though he's pretty much taken over the full-time role in San Diego since getting called back up on the 19th of July, or at least making his Returned to the roster earlier this month. Since be, since returning, not including today, where he's gone two for three so far in his game. That is only in the seventh inning, so still opportunity for another hit there. He's batting three three ten with a home run, which he had a couple of days ago. Five RBIs, five runs in thirty one plate appearances. So only one strikeout which was a concern of his game to go along with the power that he does provide from behind the plate. Luis Camposano, if you are looking both in a streaming catcher situation and currently in a two catcher situation, if you were just hurting and or need to fill that second catcher spot, he's still readily available pretty much everywhere, or at least a good chunk in your 12 teamers and more than half of your 15 teamers available as well. Luis Camposano, San Diego, somebody that I will be filling in at the catcher position where I need it. Yeah, I think that's a great call, especially if you're somebody who is rostering even Yaner Diaz in Houston. Oh my God. That's that stinks. I have him in my TGFBI league, I think, and he was so good. And then I know he's not as good defensively. Just, just he's just not playing anymore now it's that just, Alvarez is for back. no reason. It doesn't seem I like know. there's been any reason. No, no roster a, change, no injury. Just oh no, you're done now. <laughs> yeah. So I think if you had him and you're looking to replace him, which I'm going to have to, I think Campisano is really Campisano was a top prospect a few years ago. He's done nothing but hit in the minor leagues like he hits every single year and he's only 24 catchers take a little bit longer to develop like he could be breaking out he could reach those heights that people thought he could when he was coming through their system originally this could be it it doesn't hurt that he plays the first half of the week in Colorado this week that's that helps (laughs) does not hurt yeah All right. That's some good opportunities for a couple players there. Do you want to keep a lookout for as we move into our pitching categories? I want to remind everybody that this section is brought to you by underdog fantasy and their pick up daily contest. So keep in mind all these situations that we're talking about and you want to know ways to make some money ma- making picks on MLB games. Talk, look at some of these players that are listed in their pickums and seeing what kind of matchups they have going on. And you can take advantage of them by picking anywhere between two and five players throughout the course of your contest and picking higher or lower on the different categories from hits to strikeouts to overall fantasy points. It's a great way to play like a daily daily moves league without actually rostering them for an entire season and make some money in the moment. So if you are new to Underdog, make sure you are signing up utilizing the pit, the promo code PITCHERLIST. That's P-I-T-C-H-E-R-L-I-S-T. Underdog will double your first deposit up to 100 bucks. So if you put in 50, they'll give you another 50. If you put in 100, they'll give you another 100. So you've got plenty to play around with and you can bid whatever you want on any of these bids that you're looking at. And so we're going to get into some of these pitchers. So you want to keep an ear out for the situations that they have ahead of them. So you, maybe you can bid the over on some of these strikeout totals that you might see a couple days from now or unders on walks allowed or hits or something like that. So keep in mind all that and 
remember to use the promo code PitcherList and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 on Underdog Fantasy. You can download the app, go to underdogfantasy.com and check it out. Make sure you are 18 or older to play and you are in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. You have to be 19 or over in Alabama or Nebraska, 21 or over in Massachusetts and Arizona. Terms do apply. If you're concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.com. In Arizona, you can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. In Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. With all that in mind, keep, again, Make sure you're listening to the players that we're throwing out there and the situations that they have on hand. But let's get right into it, Matt. Wins and Ks, accounting stats in the pitching categories for the next week, or in my case, in the next two weeks. I'm going to get right into it. Cutter Crawford is somebody that I am looking at, especially in my 12-teamers. He is 65% rostered already in the online championship, so still not that readily available. People have caught on to his success in recent days and recent games, but if he is still available out there, I love that he's facing Seattle next week. It is just a one-step, but he is lined up to get a two-step the following week against Kansas City and Detroit. So the overall schedule for Crawford and the Red Sox in general is looks really nice as we move forward. I would definitely be bidding on him this week and starting him, though. A lot of times you try to get ahead of the game and get a guy who has a one-step, maybe stash him on your bench if you have the opportunity, and then start him for the two-step to get the volume. But as it stands, Seattle is second in the league through the season in strikeout rate. So we've seen Crawford go up and down. More recently, it's been more up than down as far as the strikeout totals go. And so this is a, a situation where he build on what we just saw him do in San Francisco and gain those those added totals to the to those strikeouts. And hopefully, you know, with Boston kind of continuing to do what they've been doing, he's gotten a couple wins lately. He can build on that as well and then take advantage of that double tap the following week against some weaker matchups, Kansas City and Detroit. Though they don't strike out as much as Seattle, not many teams do. <laughs> They're still obviously not matchups, not offenses that we are too worried about. Yeah, I like Crawford. I think he's a little bit underrated, but like you said, people are catching on. The control is really good. Those matchups are really exciting to have. I think Crawford's pretty good. You read every time I read Nick's write up on him in this SP roundup, it's always just, yeah, I like it, but I want to see more. It's like, Nick, what more do you need? <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Just jump in. Just jump in quick. <laughs> <laughs> just don't think about it anymore. Nick's always just... about like process over results, though. Yeah. <laughs> which just... I get, which I appreciate. <laughs> it's probably how I should look at things, but sometimes <laughs> I just want to see the results. I just want to see. Especially if you're just streaming a guy for one week in a head-to-head matchup. You know what? I don't care how he did it as long as I get the good numbers. Fine. You can send him back out next time. I streamed Crawford last week. I've already cut him, but I'm hoping that he'll clear waivers and I'll be able to pick him up for the next stream. Yeah. Sometimes you just need that win or you're just looking for those strikeouts and you're like, okay, you gave up six earned run in five innings, but your offense scored you eight. That's all. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, exactly. Jose Quintana is somebody I think when I was looking at who is less rostered in some Yahoo fan tracks, Quintana was out most of the year, just came back, has only made two starts. The good news is, though, 
he's thrown at least five innings in both of those, so he would qualify for a win. Even though the Mets are selling, they are still not the worst team out there. It's not like you're picking up somebody on the Pirates or the Royals or a team that's really going to struggle to get wins as the Pirates already beat my Phillies today. So I guess <laughs> that hurt. But he, two earned runs or less. He has a two-step this week, one good matchup against Kansas City. The second one, a little less great against Baltimore. Baltimore hits lefties well. But you get that first good start. You get somebody who's going to be in contention for a win in likely both of those games. And I think he's somebody that's worth adding onto your team for this week if you're looking for a streaming option. Yeah, I mean, he obviously has a guaranteed roster spot, and that rotation is not getting any tighter in New York. And 83% roster in the main event, so he's still available in those deeper 15 spots as well, which was a little surprising to me. I know he's obviously been injured for most of the season, as you mentioned, but I thought he would have been grabbed more readily yeah, in those deeper faster. leagues. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see if that changes. I'm sure that'll change this week as their options are a little bit more limited as the season progresses. Hopefully that changes with after the trade deadline and more pitchers are really called up for spot starts here or there. So we might see some more options moving forward. But for now, I think this is that's what we got and we got to yeah. deal with it. <laughs> All right, so ratios, we do have to chip away at these. I know as the season moves on, it's harder and harder to do that in your Roto Leagues. But as a reminder, this these are two of the three standard 5x5 five five categories where not only can you move up in the standings, but other teams can actually move down in the standings without you doing anything. So you want to continue to work at these categories. ERA, WHIP is what we're focusing on here. Matt, give me a name here that might be interesting to you to chip away at your ratio. Really under the radar name I'm going with here, Kyle Nelson in Arizona. He was supposed to open today. They ended up just going with Fad, and Nelson still pitched right after him. He only threw 0.2 innings, struck out both batters that he faced. I was doing some research for the pitcher performance report coming out on Adbert Azale, and I was doing some filtering, and I was looking at strikeout rates and control rates over the past couple of months. And Kyle Nelson was one name who kept popping up in the same conversation as Azale. And I was like, that can't be right, but it is. And Kyle Nelson's been really good lately. He is, since June 1st, he's striking out 34.7% of hitters. His walk percentage is below three. That provides nice whip. He's going to get you some Ks. His ERA has not been perfect, but it's under three this year. And the Giants, they play team with a lot of lefties and a team that struggles against lefties. So I think he could be some valuable, provide some valuable ratio production on your team. And he's not really going to cost you anything because I don't think there's a large line to pick up Kyle Nelson. No, no. <laughs> the queue is not moving, but I get it. Yeah, definitely a name even I had to look up when you put him on the outline. I'm like, wait, who? I, I know guys named Kyle and I know games that guy's name nelson but i'm not sure i know a kyle oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fine but my name is in the same boat i'm looking at ian jabot yeah. out of cincinnati and honestly not a name i probably would have noticed until i started reading ben rosner's deep league waiver wire article over at pitcher list and he was the only pitcher on his list for this week that he threw out there 
along with Jason Hayward, Patrick Wisdom, and Tommy Pham. So check out why he thinks those guys are good pickups in your deeper leagues over at PitcherList.com. But Ian Jabot, reliever for Arizona. And I'm literally, Ben, I'm sorry. I'm just going to steal everything you said here in this column. So spoilers <laughs> abound here. You did such a good job breaking this down. I didn't want to like really reinvent the wheel here. He is the most used reliever out of Cincinnati this season with 48 appearances tied with Buck Farmer and Alexis Diaz. Shocker here yeah, having wow. Diaz on that list. But Jabot's been doing great things overall. He's got a, a 3.0 ERA and 51 innings going into going into the weekend. And he doesn't really necessarily going to give you a whole bunch of strikeouts, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the opportunity for your relievers to come in and be utilized multiple times throughout the week and not give up a bunch of runs or any runs for that matter and chip away at those ratios better than a maybe a spot start might do pick up. And if that's really where you're focusing at is at your ERA and your whip, especially if you're in the middle of the road there where you can still make up some ground and move yourself up in those categories. We talk about this all the time. It's like these relievers really can do more. They can do, they can either help you tread water or they can help you. It's pretty rare that they're going to come in here and completely blow yourself up and knock on wood. Of course, now that I say that, that I'm <laughs> sorry for all those who pick up Jabot, but that can really happen with anybody. If, especially if he doesn't get utilized on Sunday, we say this all the time time if a reliever doesn't get utilized on sunday more opportunity for them to go three or maybe even four days in the week and get you three to six innings rather than just like the two innings and obviously the more innings the more impact that they can have so for more information on jabot make sure you go check out ben's article ben rosener over at pitcherlist.com it's called the week 18 deep league waiver wire on july 29th for a little bit more information on him and then a couple other deeper hitters that might be of interest based on whatever your the settings might be for your league. So as long as he gets the volume, Jabot is somebody. And at least it's going to be in my conditional bid list. Who do you think has more wins this season, Jabot or Blake Snell? <laughs> oh, geez. I love that. Oh, yeah. That was the biggest part of the article is that Jabot had so many wins. He has oh, eight wins. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? What is Brent Suter. This was the name that we brought up two, I think it was two years ago. We would bring him up all the time because he led his team in wins up until August or something crazy. He has more wins <laughs> than Blake Snell, Christian Javier, more wins than Hunter Brown, Luis Castillo, John Gray, Freddie Peralta, Pablo Lopez. Like what? <laughs> he also Those has 13 holds. So he also has oh, 13 wow. holds. So the Reds are putting him in these positions where he can vulture a win, right? He come in at the right yeah. time, get the win when the game is close. He has 13 holds, second on the team. So he's coming in on tight games. He's somebody that they trust. They're going to use him as long as they're continuously being in contention. So I like this call out by Ben and I'm totally stealing it. all right let's finish out the pitching categories here and move into saves everybody's favorite category to chase and i'm gonna i'm gonna lead us off here just because i've got three names really i'm just this is a spec ad and i'll have all these guys in order on a conditional bids just to see if Josh Hader actually does get traded Mm -hmm. out of San Diego Robert Suarez still available in in three quarters of leagues in the main event, Nick Martinez and Steven Wilson, who's been a horse for them throughout the course of the season as well in the same boat as Ian Jabot, though usually he comes in a little bit later than 
in in games. So he's all. I feel like all three of these guys. I know that the favor is Robert Suarez, especially just coming back from his injury and doing pretty good things as well. I think Stephen Wilson should would be my my next in line personally. If Suarez doesn't get the job right away, Nick Martinez, kind of the long shot, even though he's done good things in his new role in the bullpen for San Diego, I don't foresee them moving him into a closer position. I think that Nick Martinez is more apt to be holding the exact same role that he's had, sometimes coming in the eighth, sometimes coming in for long relief and just utilizing him the best that they can. But he'll still be the third man on my conditional list. And it'll probably be like, I probably won't get Robert Suarez, but I'll probably get Stephen Wilson in a couple places. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And I drop him the next week. I'm not spending a whole lot of money. I might spend a little bit more on Suarez just because I think it is a little bit more of a, quote, guarantee that he gets the first couple shots at that role. This is also a big if that actually if they trade Hater, I know a lot of the rumors are getting a little stronger on the rumor mill. And so we'll see how San Diego deals with their imploding situation <laughs> that they have going on. The New York Mets of the West Coast, if you will. Do you think he gets dealt? It is, it's the final year of his contract. If they're going to deal him, they got to do it. They got to get something. I don't know that. I, I don't know the standings in front of me, but they're they're not in the thick of it, if I'm not mistaken. Did you know Cole Hamels was still pitching on the podcast? Yes, he's in, the minor, he's in San Diego's minor league system. He can come in and close games. That would be amazing. But I was looking at their minor league. I was like, do they have anybody interesting in AAA? And I'm scrolling down where also resource. And I'm like, Cole Hamels. And then uh, I click on his player page on Fangraphs. And his Cole Hamels shoulders look better than expected in throwing sessions. And the wait, Padres are Cole Hamels? <laughs> and the Padres are hopefully can be an option for them around midseason. Now, this was back in March. And he yeah. hasn't pitched a game. So I was like, why is he still? He hasn't pitched since 2020. <laughs> yeah. San Diego is the first after that cliff in the standings. They are six games out from the final wild card spot. And they've got three teams that they would have to jump over between Arizona, Miami, and, and the Cubs as the standings are right now. I won't be surprised. Put it this way. I won't be surprised. I mean, even if he doesn't get dealt by fab bidding on Sunday, it's this is worth the speculation ad. And none of these guys are bad either. Worst case scenario, I really need yeah. a reliever to fill in uh, one of my spots in my rotation. I'm not going to be upset about it. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. I think might as well take a shot. Like you said, worst case scenario, you end up dropping them the very next week. They get hurt. They can help your ratio like we were just talking about. And then mm-hmm. you end up Moving on, I think I went a little bit of a... The first name I came to met mine, you already mentioned Gregory Santos. He's probably going to get the chance to close in Chicago now with Graveman out until Hendricks is back. Santos should be added where he's available if you need help in saves. I mean, that one feels cut and dry, like the easiest black and white. He is going to be the closer for Chicago. The other names... We're more so just looking at the schedule. Gregory Soto was one that popped out. Philly plays seven games next week. Soto, I thought was interesting. The game on Wednesday, Soto was actually used in the, was it Wednesday's game? I think it was Wednesday's game. Soto was used in the ninth inning, even when Kimbrell was used in the eighth. Rob Thompson did something a little bit different there. He went to Kimbrell for the heart of the order, Soto, in the ninth and i think that pitching seven game playing seven games next week soto could jump into a save could vulture a save if the heart of the lineup comes up again that worked for rob once already 
who's to say he doesn't do it again and go with Soto. So that was a name that I thought could earn you a save if you're really looking for somebody. The other name I'd brought up before that I'd thought about before Jordan Romano landed on the aisle. Now we already talked about him. I like Eric Swanson. And now we just have to see if it's him or Garcia. Yeah. Forward. Yeah. They're both going to get picked up. You might as you just go with your favorite this week on Sunday. Hold on to him for a week or two and see. You might be able to, they might switch off as well. If you get one save out of one of these guys in the two weeks that Romano is out, in most cases, that's going to help. Yeah. <laughs> a save is a save. Yeah. A save is a save. Be nice if you get two or three. You know, yeah. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth, if you will. Of course, we. I think we mentioned it a bunch of times. Carlos Hernandez be somebody worth speculating on as well out of Kansas City. Those Scott Barlow did just blow a save. We'll see if he actually gets clo- dealt. And then Holderman in in, in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, if Bednar yeah. does actually get moved as well. Bednar... I'll be so honestly, I, everybody seems to be pretty confident that he's going to get dealt, but with all, the amount of years that they have control over him yeah. and he's from Pittsburgh, it's like one of those feel good things. You almost don't want him to get dealt. I, I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah. I think it was the same way everybody thought Brian Reynolds was going to get traded. Every single deadline would hear Brian Reynolds and mm-hmm. Brian Reynolds didn't move. So he's still I there. Yeah, he's there for a long time now, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> supposedly, but I don't think Bedner's going anywhere either. I'm with you. All right, let's finish it off with a wild card section. You did such a good job in the middle of the pod talking about all these other prospects. So I'm just going to let you close this out here with anybody else that just doesn't fit into any of the categories that we talked about. Pitcher, hitter, wherever it is that looks like might be a good ad, speculation or not, who might you be looking at? So one of my favorite players from the offseason that did not have a starting role going in was Dylan Moore in Seattle. I thought he could be really useful for speed and power. He doesn't hit for very much average, but he was stealing as often as John Birdie steals before this year. He is was a 20 stolen base threat constantly, even though Moore doesn't get consistent playing time in Seattle. Turn the page. This year, he starts the season on the IL dealing with injuries for much of the year. Moore comes back. He's struggling. But lately, he's getting more playing time. He's looking strong at the plate. He's only played a few games, but he had more has some stolen bases. More has some has a home run or two. He's playing well over the past week, and Seattle has that really black hole at second base. It seems like in terms of production with Colton Wong and the whole other cast of characters that they're throwing out. They're at second base. Moore plays second base. He plays outfield. He plays shortstop. They also just, Seattle lost Jared Kalanick to the IL, as we know. Left field is an option, even though they just called up Cade Marlowe, who's another name probably worth mentioning. But I think Dylan Moore could start seeing some more playing time. I think he's worth a speculative ad. I'm not positive he's going to get a lot of run, but he started three of the past six games now against righties. They play two lefties next weekend. So you could get him into the lineup if you have a midweek lineup switch. You figure he's going to be in the lineup at least two of those games, possibly all three if he keeps swinging it well. So Moore is somebody that's worth mentioning, I think. Yeah, Moore has been a personal favorite of mine and for various reasons at different times. Obviously not recently, but with this recent change in the situation in Seattle, it definitely seems like Moore is taking advantage of that for sure. Something to keep an eye out in Seattle. And any other situations that might arise there. Matt, 
thank you so much for taking the time. I know you've got the stash list coming out. I know you've got your updated 100 coming out back to back days. So your name is going to be (laughs) plastered all over pitcherlist.com in the next two days. So I know you've got a lot going on. You just came back from the road trip. You went to the Baltimore game. You went to the Orioles game over the weekend as well. So I'm glad we could make this happen. Remind everybody anything else that you might be working on and, and where they can find you. Yeah, so I do lineup articles at Fantrax once every five days, NL, AL rotating. Keeps up to date. One of those coming out tomorrow. Pitcher list, prospect list, really excited about that update. Get those new draftees in there. We can debate them all over on Twitter or X or whatever. <laughs> and we're they will. Calling it. Nowadays, <laughs> yes, you can let me know how wrong they all are. And the performance report will be out next week on Pitcher list too. And you can find me at Twitter, X, obviously on PitcherList.com in the Discord, in the Dynasty Discord especially. That's where I do a lot of comments, a lot of talking, a lot of suggestions in there. But Twitter at Heckman underscore Matt 115. That's where I'll post all my articles and any other relevant baseball information. Yeah, you can definitely get a hold of Matt and everybody else at PitcherList in the Discord. It is always popping off, especially this time of year with the trade deadlines going on and teams making a run in their playoffs. Get all the information from everybody. Join PL Plus, PL Pro. Either one of them gets you in there and a whole bunch of other stuff. So check that out on the site as well. Matt, thank you so much once again. But that is going to wrap it up for episode 125 of On The Wire. You could follow myself on the Twitter at... 80 grade that's all spelled out kevin is at hasting kevin of course follow the pod itself at on the wire pod to once again thank our guest matt heckman for joining us this week follow him on the twitter at heckman underscore matt 115 and after all that i am adam howe on behalf of kevin hasting thanks for listening we bid you goodbye 